Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Joining me, two guys from the Cannon Fire Buccaneers podcast here. We got Rhett, we got Evan. Fellas, how you doing? Good, man. Really, uh, really happy to be here. Excited to talk about this week's game, which is shaping up to be way better than we thought it would be at the start of the season, if I'm frank, because the Colts are playing on fire right now. I second everything Rhett said. Really excited <laughs> to be here, and uh, thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Well, we'll start here, guys, with your opinion so far of the Buccaneers. I mean, record-wise, you guys are sitting – Pretty good right now um, at a seven and three record. Uh, Evan, I'll start with you. How are you feeling overall now? You know, 10 games the Bucks have played. How have you felt about this team so far? Well, you know, I think uh, so far the, they have met expectations with a few bumps in the road. Um, with the injury situations that they've had this season, it, sometimes it just the wins aren't going to be pretty. Uh, sometimes with the, the injuries to the secondary and, uh, sometimes, you know, they've been playing without Antonio Brown. They've been playing some games without Chris Godwin. Uh, you know, the games aren't going to be pretty all the time, but they're getting wins. Uh, the one real stain on the schedule is that Washington game that was two weeks ago, which is a game where they just, they need a win. And, uh, they're a better team than Washington coming off the bye week. They just came out and just lacked complete energy. And, uh, I think, a lot of Bucks fans still have that in their memory. And, yeah, like, like, just like Rhett said, now you got a game versus the Colts where it, it's looking like, you know, before the season, we weren't sure what the Colts were going to be. Brand-new quarterback, right? That's always a big question mark whenever you have a brand-new quarterback and a brand-new system. Uh, you know, and they have a talented roster, but we just weren't sure what that quarterback was going to do. And now that they're sitting, you know, they're one of the hottest teams in the league right now. So it's going to be a very intriguing matchup. But as far as the the overall season goes, sitting at seven and three right now, you know it's it's where kind of expected them. Just really didn't expect the loss versus versus Washington. Yeah, I think when you look at the Buck season as a whole, not only is it tempering expectations as to what a lot of the fans thought this team was going to be before the season started. I mean, winning a Super Bowl for any franchise is going to blow your head up a little bit, but when you've got Tom Brady and, you know, the roster on paper that the Buccaneers do, a lot of expectations at the start of the season was that this team is going to go undefeated. If not, they're going to lose one or two games max. Uh, way back on our season prediction show, me and Evan predicted both of us picked the Bucs to go 13-4 and four on the season. Uh, which is a franchise record for wins. The most wins in a season they've ever had is 12. And, you know, 13 wins in a 17-game a, a season is a pretty big deal with only four losses. Well, we got ripped to shreds because, uh, there, you know, apparently there was no way the Bucks could be that bad. So not only has it been week by week tempering expectations with the fans, with the team, they were on the pace to get the one seed. And then, uh, you know, that ugly loss to Washington happened in a week where they really could have used the win. It helps that they get back on track against the Giants. But, uh, you know, there's certain things still being worked on on this team. And and with where they were, I will say not all of my expectations are are being met. Uh, as far as, like, the sloppiness and the penalties go, that has to be cleaned up, right? If you're going to be a Super Bowl contender, you cannot even be close to leading the league in penalties, which the Bucks have been doing all season. So, you know, there's still some things that could be worked on, and, and obviously they're they're starting to get back on track at the right time. But with an opponent like the Colts coming into this week, uh, it, this looks like it could be the biggest game of the second half of their season. Obviously, you still got the Saints again, who are playing like garbage. Uh, you know, hooray for that one. But uh, you also got the Bills on the schedule. But now the Colts have proven themselves to be uh, 
just another test for this team if they want to try and get back to the status they were, you know, after the bye week last year. Hey, quick ad break, but uh, let me tell you about our guys over at betonline.ag, one of our main sponsors of the podcast for over a year at this point. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Head to the new updated desktop or a mobile website they have to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's bleav five zero to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and a proud sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We were talking off air a little bit, right? Like, this Colts season has been so up and down for this team. You know, starting off so poorly, 0-3 and then 1-4 and at one point. And then to rattle off the last six out of eight, the Colts have really, you know, outside of that Titans game, the Colts have really been on fire. I mean, they really have, you know, dominated a lot of teams they needed to come and dominate. And, you know, this is that was by far their biggest win on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills because, you know, a lot of people, like the Buccaneers, projected the Bills to do very well and to potentially be the number one seed. And the fact that the Colts were able to do that and go into Buffalo and, and dismantle the Bills the way they were – I mean, I think this team is the hottest they've been all year. And that might have been their best win in the Frank Reich era. Excuse me. Um, but there is some injuries. And I think the thing that we'll notice about the Colts here is the fact that probably the healthiest they've been all year. Um, you know, the biggest question mark this seat, this for this game was Quentin Nelson, right? Is he going to play? And he looks like he was practicing today, so he looks like he's good to go for this game. Uh, the Buccaneers have a few injuries of note, though. Um, the only guy they did rule out was Antonio Brown, but there's a couple guys that I think are going to be kind of game time decisions. They'll decide over the next 48 hours or so. Um, a few guys like Devin White, Mike Evans, uh, Vita Vea even a little bit, even though it seems like he's probably going to play this game. Um, also, Scotty Miller coming off uh, of IR this week. And then you got Ali Marpet, your guard. So a little bit banged up, but it, it could mean that all these guys are going to play what are your guys' thoughts on the injuries for the Bucs right now? Where, from your understanding, is this team right now in terms of injuries? Your mic's off, Evan. Sorry about that. Uh, with, with Antonio Brown, Bruce Arians pretty much confirmed uh, earlier this week that uh, he wasn't going to play. He said their fingers were crossed for next week in Atlanta. So already you know pre midweek they were rolling them out essentially so um you know they have been getting a little healthier specifically in the secondary with Sean Murphy bunting returning last week uh this is a, was his first game since the second series of of the opener so hasn't played a ton of football um but it's a big boost for the secondary that needs it obviously Richard Sherman's still down Carlton Davis they just opened his 21 day practice window um and but he's you know he's not going to go this week. Ali Marpet, they say game time decision. I have my doubts that he's going to be able to go. Uh, I, I do have my doubts. He was ruled out pretty quickly in that Giants game and hadn't practiced really all week this week. Um, I, 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 I have my doubts. I think they're going to want to play it cautious. Aaron Stinney came in, played well for him in that Giants game. Uh, I don't think they want to risk any long term injury because. At the end of the day, you're going to need him for the playoffs, right? Um, Ali Marpet is arguably your best offensive lineman, I, I would say. Um, it, it's you can make an argument that he is. Uh, there's a lot of talent there, but you're going to need that guy for the playoffs. And as far as Mike Evans goes, there was a little bit of concern. You know, he didn't practice. You know, he didn't practice on uh, early in the week, Wednesday, Thursday, but it looked like he was out there today. So it uh, looks like some positive development for that. As was Devin White. So. Looks like both those guys will be able to play. And for this team, it's just, you know, they're getting healthier, but it's a it's a slow burn right now. Uh, Carlton Davis isn't back yet. Antonio Brown isn't back yet. So, and, and, you know, Rhett can even attest to this. The offense has just looked so much different with Antonio Brown out of the lineup. 
uh, it, it makes a huge difference that, you know, even though you have Mike Evans and you have Chris Godwin, uh, they all, they just got back Rob Gronkowski. You have these guys. It's just not the same offense. So when they get those guys back and they get their best cornerback, you know, available again, I think it's going to make a big difference. But for this week, it's going to be another challenge to go on the road where this team has struggled to score points, uh, haven't scored over 30 points on the road all season yet haven't scored under 30 points at home all season. Uh, so it's just, it's going to be a struggle without AB, but they're going to have to fight through it. And hopefully, you know, Vita Vey is able to go against the guy like Jonathan Taylor and that Colts rushing attack. I mean, that has just been ridiculous the past few weeks. Uh, you, you're definitely going to need a guy like Vita Vey. Well, I was going to bring up Vita Vea because, I mean, literally, mm. literally the biggest part of that injury <laughs> report for Tampa Bay, whopping, you know, 300 and some change. Um, but I think Vita Vea is huge. That's that's my favorite storyline headed into this game is not only the recent performance of Jonathan Taylor helping out one of my fantasy teams. Booyah, let's go. <laughs> but, um, you know, Vita Vea being back in the lineup because this is a guy who left the Washington game at the very end of the game. He was carted off. And that's a familiar sight for Bucks fans because when he broke his leg against Chicago in Chicago in 2020, he was also carted off of the field. So, you know, when you see a visual like that for any player, it's obviously going to be rough. But for a guy like Vita Vea, who was, you know, apparently had a leg injury, who has a history of leg injuries since entering the league, that's huge for the Buccaneers line of scrimmage. Um, so as we look at, you know, what their pass rush is going to be able to do and, and even in run support, if they can get Vita Vea, not even 100%, let's say 75 80%. I still think that's huge and uh, way better than going out there with just Raheem Nunez-Rochez because while he is serviceable when Vita Vea is absent, having Polynesian power right there in the middle, man, that just it, it brings new life to that pass rush, and uh, he's huge this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's di- kind of dive in, fellas, to this Colts offense versus this Buccaneers defense because we mentioned some of the guys in your guys' defense. Um, the Colts come in right now. Uh, number five overall in terms of points scored. Uh, they've scored over 30 points multiple times this year. They've been really, really good, especially recently. 11th in yards. Obviously, right now, Jonathan Taylor is the talk of this game. Um, right now, I mean, he the Colts have the fourth best rushing attack, but I think it's pretty clear with Derrick Henry out. Jonathan Taylor is the best back in football. Um, you guys mentioned Vita Vey. You guys have a very good run defense, the best run defense in the league. So what are your guys' thoughts overall on kind of strength on strength here? You know, you guys obviously being able to stop the run and the Colts being able to run over top run defenses themselves in Buffalo and, and even New York to a degree and really just taking them down. Uh, we'll start with you, Rhett. What are, your guys, what are your overall thoughts here on this matchup between the Colts running attack and the Buccaneers run defense? Yeah, well, like I said, you know, this is the first thing I look at when it comes to this game. It's uh, it's the immovable, uh, what is it, the immovable object meets the irresistible force or something. I'm pretty close. I don't entirely know the analogy there, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. The Bucks have had a history of shutting down running backs who get hot during the season. Like I remember whenever we'd play Carolina, the hype was always, you know, Christian McCaffrey's been playing really well lately. And even when people look back to uh, that 2019 game in London, Jameis Winston threw five interceptions, if I remember correctly. But, you know, Christian McCaffrey was on a hot streak. He did get a touchdown that day. But aside from that, his day wasn't spectacular. Um, And they have a history of doing that with a lot of running backs. So I think for the Colts, it's going to ultimately come down to how much success they have with that in the early going. If the first half goes by and you give your back 10, 15 carries and he's not able to do very much with it, depending on the score of the game, you start to address how much you – you know, you trust your passing attack, which the Bucks could still be liable with some holes in the secondary. Um, you know, but that's that, that's just the big, uh, like the big push in this game is is what's going to give first, the run game or are the Bucks actually going to start to give up some yards on the ground because they've done that before. I know they beat the Bears like a drum, but Evan, you could probably correct me on this. I think that's the last game that they actually had like a hundred yard rusher against them, if I remember right. It was the yeah, so that was the the first game all season uh, versus the Bears that they had a hundred yard rusher. The last time the Bucks allowed a hundred yard rusher was Week 14 of last season uh, against the Vikings and Dalvin Cook. So um, versus the Saints, the Saints had a little bit of running success. Uh, the football team though really had a lot of success, uh, especially oh, yeah, on that, that last drive, know, that final drive. They really milked the clock. So uh, lately, it, it hasn't been as good, but they had a nice bounce back game against Saquon Barkley and, and the Giants. Um, I know Barkley wasn't hundred percent, but you know, you you talk about, and I talk about this a lot on the show. 
about just like the the trenches right and and the, the trench play i just i think this game whoever wins the trench battles on both sides of the football whoever wins that is going to win the game um you know i just i i if the Bucks are able to shut down Jonathan Taylor, I'm I'm not sure. You know there is holes in the secondary, and I like the Colts receiving core. Um, but you know you give you make Carson Wentz throw the ball over 30 times a game, and you know who knows what can happen. You know he he makes some poor decisions from time to time. He hasn't done it as much this year. He's been much better this year with his decision making. Um, but you know we saw in the Tennessee game, he had a lot of questionable decisions. So if you're able to force him to throw the ball, kind of keep the Colts one-dimensional, which they've been able to do to a lot of teams this season, mostly because teams aren't even attempting to run the ball against them. But right. if you're able to, to keep them one-dimensional, you can have some success. Now, we mm. talked about how hot Jonathan Taylor has been, and, and you're right, Cody. I, I think he's got to be the best back in football right now, the hottest back in football easily, uh, winning a lot of people, a lot of fantasy matchups right now. Um, but – you know, you, something's got to give, right? Something has to give, and who's going to give in first? Just like Rhett said, which one, which side is going to give in first? The Colts offensive line, who I think is ultra-talented, or the Buccaneers, you know, defensive line, who is not only getting Vita Vea back, but they were already were a good run defense on, uh, on last week's game without him. So, I mean, you know, getting him back is huge because he does so many things. So I think this one is going to come down to just a classic football game of who's going to win between the big guys up front, who's going to be able to control the line of scrimmage, and that's who I think is going to have the best chance to win this game. Yeah, and ideally you don't want Carson Wentz to throw it 30 times. Like that that's what the Colts have done so well, and that's why, you know, Wentz has been able to be as good as he is because Jonathan Taylor's just been destroying teams and has set up the play action very well, and the pressure's been off of Wentz. But let's transition over then to Colts passing attack. Now, on paper, it's not necessarily that great in terms of passing yards. I mean, the last couple games, Carson Wentz really has not had to do a whole lot in terms of passing the football, you know, um, because Jonathan Taylor just kind of been taking over games. Last last week, Carson Wentz only had 106 yards passing on only 20 attempts, right? So that's what the Colts' formula is to success. But, you know, there have been games where he has had to throw more times, you know. And I think overall, you know, there's been a couple mis, you know mishaps. You mentioned the Tennessee game a couple plays. I feel like Carson Wentz has been a really, really good quarterback. Um, when he's been asked to do some things, when he's been asked to go and, you know, throw the ball more times than not, you know, only has a couple of interceptions. I believe it's three interceptions on the season, has some more fumbles. But, you know, compared to even 2020 Carson Wentz, the reunion with Frank Reich and when he's well protected, I think Carson Wentz and can compete with the best of them, honestly. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the Tampa Bay pass defense, you know, not necessarily – a unit that's great. You know, you guys pride yourself on being able to stop the the ball, you know, stop the run, but you have a lot of injuries. You know, you mentioned on in your secondary right now and um, you know, the secondary right now isn't super great for Tampa Bay. I believe you guys, I mean, it's okay. I guess you guys are, are 17th overall in terms of stopping the pass 25th in passing touchdowns. Ironically enough, the Colts defense is kind of a similar way where they're a lot better at stopping the run than stopping the pass. But you mentioned some of the Colts guys that they have, right? They have Michael Pittman Jr. who's having a breakout year number two. Um, they have T.Y. Hilton back. He's been healthy now for a couple games. Hasn't really done a whole lot, but he's always a guy you got to watch out for. They have Zach Paschal. So they have three really solid receivers, and then they have some tight ends. They have Naheem Hines out of the backfield as well. So what do you guys have to do? We'll start with you, Evan, to kind of limit this Colts passing attack, in your opinion. Yeah, I, I think a, a huge matchup is uh... – you know, who, who is going to cover Michael Pittman? Because I, I really like Michael Pittman. And I, I liked him pre-draft, uh, coming out of USC, and I thought it was a fantastic pick. And he's proven it r- right right now. I mean, he's he's proving why he was, you know, a second-round pick and, and why there was so many, But there was a lot of questions about him, right? But now he's, he's answering all those. So who's going to cover him? Right. Just like you said, T.Y. Hilton hasn't really done much, but you he's a threat, I think, anytime because he's just so – I'm not even sure if he's like a speed demon, but to me, he's just one of those guys that if 
finds a way to get open, right? He he knows how to get open. He's a veteran in the NFL. He's played plenty of football games. Uh, but I think Michael Pittman, that's going to be the, the big one. Uh, I think who's going to be able to cover him? Will it be Jamel Dean? Will it be Sean Murphy Bunting? Uh, Jamel Dean has played really fantastic football the past few weeks, but the issue with Dean has always been consistency. Uh, he just hasn't been consistent enough in his career. And Sean Murphy Bunting, like I said, he hasn't played a lot of football in the last two and a half, three months. So do you want to put him up against the Colts, arguably the Colts' best wide receiver? Um, that might be a tough challenge. So I think it's whoever's going to cover him is going to have their hands full. Uh, and also I'm going to look for Naeem Hines out of the backfield. Uh, the Bucks sometimes do typically struggle with receiving backs, uh, you know, screen passes, whether it's check downs because they haven't been able to tackle very well either. And I think Naeem Hines, if the Bucks aren't able to tackle very well on Sunday, he could present a lot of problems for him. So if I'm if I'm any fan looking at this matchup, I'd be eyeing Michael Pittman Jr. and Naeem Hines as the two guys that the Bucks defense really has to watch out for. And I think for the Bucks defense as a whole, something really important too that, Evan, you spoke to a little bit, but uh, just cleaning everything up from top to bottom – and making sure they do not get ripped to shreds on this short passing game. Because while, you know, people talk about the Bucks' pass rush, um, while the talent is there, the sacks necessarily haven't been. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot this year about a lot of guys in the pocket just having plenty of time to figure out who they want to throw to. And if that's the case with a guy like Carson Wentz, while you don't really want him throwing the ball 30 times a game, you know, Carson Wentz, of all people, is probably a quarterback who can benefit from an effective short passing game, which is what happens when you have receivers who can get open, make a couple of guys miss, and pick up 15 yards where maybe there should have been a tackle back here. So for the Bucks, I think getting back to that brand of football that they were known for, flying around to the football, making plays, being physical, right? Keeping everything in front of you without letting it get too far behind you if you're caught sleeping. Um you know, everybody just going out there and doing their job, I think, is going to be really important because while, you know, they can shut down the run and, and obviously not every team's going to try and throw it 40, 50 yards every single pass play. The one area of weakness that they have that I think could be, uh, you, you know, could be could be messed with this week is that short passing game. If if they happen to find a way to, you know, make Jonathan Taylor not so much of an option. I'm curious, how are you guys against the tight ends? Because the Colts have a couple of tight ends of note that, you know, Mo Ali Cox, the big tight end that they have, he's six foot six, nearly 280. They have Jack Doyle, who's always solid. And they have Kylan Granson, who's, you know, fourth round pick this year, hasn't done a ton, but he's always a threat vertically. He's the Colts' most vertical tight end. Um, how do you guys do against the tight ends? They used to be worse. Uh, they're, they're not. They're not particularly good right now. But they I'll, used I'll, to be worse. They used to be worse. I'll tell you, man. There was a time, what, 2017, 2018. I don't. I don't think I've seen Greg Olson ever get more open in his career than he did with the bar against the Bucks. <laughs> Twice a year, that guy was just walking 15 yards downfield and somehow had a 40 yard completion. Like it was. It, they used to be really bad, but they've gotten a little better. But I still think it's something that could use some work. Sure. Okay, well, that's good to know. I know those tight ends, they're, they're always a wild card. You never know, like, if they're going to go off or if they're going to have two catches, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just always was curious on that. Um, but let's transition, guys, over to now the Buccaneers offense versus this Colts defense. Now, you know, Tampa Bay comes in with the hottest passing offense in the league. Tom Brady's having another fantastic season with this team. A little bit banged up at wide receiver, but we'll see if Mike Evans goes and all that stuff. But, the guys, if this was an Achilles heel for the Colts right now, it, uh, I mean – if, if there's an Achilles heel for this team, it is their pass defense. They have did a really good job on Josh Allen last week. But throughout the course of this season, they haven't necessarily been that great. Um, I think they're worse than the league right now in terms of passing touchdowns allowed. Um, and just overall um, have struggled in certain ways. I mean, yardage-wise, it's about the same, actually. They sit right now at 18th. So they haven't allowed as many passing yards as passing touchdowns. But, you know, that's been an issue for them is getting after the quarterback, making consistent pressure, um, and also just being able, yeah, to, to stop some teams in terms of, of passing the football. So um, what do you think right now that the Colts have to do in order to potentially, you know, you can never really stop Tom Brady, but slow him down a little bit, slow down this Bucks offense that has Rob Gronkowski back now and looks like they could potentially be in for another big game. You know, it, it seems like common sense to say pressure the quarterback, but you look at what exactly Washington was able to do in that game against the Bucks. 
they had the 32nd ranked pass defense headed into that week. And me and Evan both said on the pregame show that day, we're like, listen, they're going to go out here and they're probably going to throw the ball more than they have all season. There's no reason Tom Brady shouldn't put up 400 yards. Well, pressure got there early and it got there often. And I mean, while Tom had a little more time to throw than he probably thought he did, the fact of the matter is that he didn't think he had time to throw. So he's starting to take checkdowns, right? I think Leonard Fournette got 13 or 14 receptions that week versus Washington, a season high for him um, when usually you have a little bit better of a safety route on that offense to pick with, you know, super athletic guys, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I know you're without Antonio Brown this week, which is unfortunate, but you know, when he was playing this year, he kind of became the safety route for Tom Brady. If he had to take a check down, you give it to AB because he can do a little bit more if he, you know, has to make somebody miss. Um, but I'd say just getting pressure on Tom Brady, you, you know, pressure up the middle is going to be key, moving him outside of the pocket. I know he showed off some of that dual threat speed on Monday Night Football this week against the Giants. I know you saw that 11-yard pickup, fastest man in the league. So, you know, Brady can burn you with his wheels, but <laughs> most of the time when he's not going to be able to do that, uh, just constant pressure is, is you know, making him uncomfortable and, and forcing those throws that, you know, he doesn't see the open guy 30 yards downfield. He sees the check down five yards in front of him that results in uh, a three and out, basically. So just keeping pressure on Tom Brady and, and doing your best to make him uncomfortable, uh, forcing him to get the ball out as quickly as he can, I think is ultimately going to help slow down the Bucks' offense. Yeah, and, and I, I like the the point you made. I, I, I was going to say it, and then you ended up saying it, you know, pressure not just on the edges, but pressure right up the middle. Because mm -hmm. when you get pressure with your edge rushers, Brady has shown that he can just step up in the pocket. And and if, if you're not getting a constant rush from your interior guys, that's why Washington had so much success. Jonathan Allen bullied Ali Marpet in that game. Uh, and now they faced, you know, DeForest Buckner, who I think is a fantastic football player. Um but, you know, when you're you're facing interior pressure, Tom can't step up in the pocket, and that's what he really likes to do. So that's when you get the check downs. Um, you know, what teams have been doing, and this is what Washington did, and, and the Giants did it to a certain extent, obviously not as successful, but uh, teams have been playing, you know, to stop the, the Bucks passing game by stopping the, the deep ball. Right, they've been playing a lot back and sort of forcing the Bucks to to take those checkdowns and to take the the small, you know, instead of the the play that goes thirty five yards, take the play that goes eleven yards. You know, how how much patience do you really have? This Bucks offense, led by Bruce Arians, you know, they want to throw it down the field, right? I, I mean, I, I'm sure Colts fans know how you know Bruce Arians operates when you know he was there. Uh, they they want to get the ball down the field. They want to score quickly. And teams are basically saying, we are going to force you. We're going to give you that option to, to check it down, but we're going to see how patient you can be. Because we want you to force the ball into some tough spots when you're trying to force it deep. And teams haven't really you know, let the Bucks do that in, in the past few weeks. That Washington, all they did was they made the Bucks come and check it down, and then the Washington tackled. You know, and they, they tackled well. The Bucks weren't able to break any tackles, weren't able to get anything past you know when they caught the ball. Um, you know, there were there was one deep ball, and it was the touchdown to Mike Evans, just a, a broken play, kinda. Um, and then really last week, the Giants, they did a good job at limiting the big play, right? I mean, they, they did a pretty good job at limiting the big play. Uh the Bucks first drive on offense was a lot of you know, dink and dunk. It wasn't a ton of down the field passing, and I think that's what the Bucks are going to have to do this week as well. It's not going to be easy. I, I do think the Colts' defense, while their their rankings, you know, aren't the greatest, I do think they have a lot of talent. I mean, you know, I think what they're either they're a top five team in, in takeaways. I, I think they might be even number one. I, I'm not even sure. Um, but uh, you know, they know how to take the ball away, and, and trust me, they they want. You know, the Bucks to be have to force the ball into some tight spots down the field because that's that's the turnover place, right? And uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna look to really do the same thing that Washington did almost. You know, just come up and just just tackle. And uh, you know, the Bucks are gonna have to be ready for it. Hopefully they you know, after they watched that Washington game, they saw some things that they could adjust and you know it's gonna be interesting. But like I said, this offense is I don't know. I Rhett can't explain it. I can't explain it. This offense is completely different on the road than it is at home.
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh that's probably another huge storyline this year is that in 2020, not only with the playoff run where you got to beat everybody on the road to get back to your home stadium, but for most of, I don't know, the last 10 years, I know they've been playing a lot of bad football in that time, but the Bucks have garnered an identity is more of a road warrior team. Like we were used to looking back at the season as a whole and saying, man, their record was awesome on the road. Like they won six out of eight games on the road or, or something or other, whatever year it was. But uh, that's definitely changed. It's been flipped on its head this year because they are a much different football team. They have yet to score 30 points on the road this season. I know they're averaging a little over 30. I think one of the highest scoring teams in the league, but you know, most of that production is, is in front of their home fans. So if anything, this offense has, has really a lot of trouble finding their footing on the road. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out of the gate. I think that first drive against uh, the Giants on Monday night, it was very refreshing for a lot of people to see because, you know, we're not handing it to Leonard Fournette on first down. A lot of people aren't aren't too happy about that. That's been kind of a, a common theme these past two seasons. Uh, these past two seasons is almost guaranteed handoff on first down, but starting to see a little bit more play action. Uh, some of the end arounds were, were kind of creative, like Mike Evans on an end around is something I never, ever thought I would see. But, uh, you know, the creativity in that play calling that they started with against the Giants, I think, is going to be key in helping this offense actually get somewhere on the road this week against Indy. Yeah, absolutely. You guys mentioned, and I wanted to touch on it as well, the turnover differential. Right now, the Bucks I think, are at plus two. It's crazy. It's wild. The Colts right now, the top defense in terms of taking the ball away, they haven't turned the ball over, guys, in three straight games. So right now, they sit at first in the league with plus 15, which is absolutely insane to me. But they're doing that and they're only six and five at this point. But, you know, and you also mentioned Allie Marpet, you know, maybe not going in this game versus DeForest Buckner. I wanted to ask this question to you guys. Could that could he potentially be an X factor in this game, especially if Marpet's not able to go um, and what he could do to Brady up the middle? Aaron Stinney, like I said, he played well on Monday. Um, he was their Lincoln. guy for the for the playoff run. Yeah. You know, NFC Championship, Super Bowl starter. So he's definitely mm-hmm. been there, done that. Yeah, I mean, literally, yeah, Alex Kappa went down in the wild card game and Aaron Sinney stepped up and, and played really well. Um, he played well against Leonard Williams and, and uh, Dexter Lawrence, but I, I think DeForest Buckner is a whole other animal. Uh, I think Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence are good players. Uh, I think DeForest Buckner is one of the top interior defensive linemen in the league, so mm-hmm. he's going to be a real challenge. I'm not sure. You know, based on matchups, who knows, right? We could see Buckner lined up against Kappa sometimes. We could see Buckner lined up against Stinney. You would think, obviously, it'd be more likely uh, Stinney. But, you know, like I said, it's all about matchups. And I think both those guys are going to have their hands full, I I think, with his, you know, if he has the game of his life, it could be a long day for the Bucs. If he's able to get, like we talked about, constant pressure up the middle on Tom Brady, it just it ruins the whole flow of the entire offense. So um, it's definitely going to be a key to try and try you know try their best and, and, and neutralize him. Yeah, and you asked if he has the potential to be an X factor for that game. I mean, if he gets going and he starts to have a dominant day against those interior linemen, that is the X factor for the game. Going back to you know what Evan said at the start of the podcast, whoever wins the battle of the trenches mm-hmm. is probably going to win this game. When you're looking at you know, a, a couple of units on both sides of the ball that are just immensely talented. Uh, the Colts offensive line, still, in my opinion, one of the best in the league, especially when you get Quentin Nelson out there, who's going to be dangerous on Sunday. Um, the Bucks offensive line, who have who've turned out to be a pretty good unit. And then, of course, both of those defenses, that's going to be huge. But if, if Buckner can get going and he can start to wreak havoc on Brady in the pocket, that's the turning point in this game. It's going to be up to the Bucks to decide how they want to respond after that man starts getting after their quarterback. Because that, that changes a lot of things for Tampa Bay. And it, it obviously, it starts with the offense when you get after TB12. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, we can transition now to uh, this Buccaneers run team. You know, right now, Leonard Fournette, your guys' uh, leading rusher with a little over 500 yards on the ground. Um, and the Colts come in, actually, with a pretty good run defense, like we talked about earlier. They, they normally have a pretty good run defense. It's normally their pass defense. That's their Achilles heel. That's been the case this year as well maybe not as good as they've been in the past but you know they're still they still come in pretty good in terms of stopping the run um, especially in terms of stopping uh the run touchdowns they come in first overall in that department so you know this is a, i think everybody's talking about brady versus this past defense and stuff like that 
but what do you think about this this unit? Do you think this potentially has uh, the opportunity for the Bucks to uh, be a sneaky important part of this game? You know, it it has been. Uh, they had that nice little real little uh, stretch of a few games there where Leonard Fournette was constantly going 100 uh, over 100 yards rushing in the game. And that just doesn't happen a lot with this offense. Uh, they're just not a team that, you know, it, even when they try to run the ball, they're just not very successful. A lot of the times it looks like it did last week when they, they try to run the ball. It's two yards there, three yards there, maybe six yards there. But, you know, during the, the few games that they did, they were, you know, they were getting chunks and, um, it was it was very important. Uh, one game that was on the road it was in Philly, um, so it's going to be another important road game to try and neutralize that crowd, right? Try and try and quiet them down and control the clock. And you know, I think they're going to make an attempt to run the ball, but yet again, just like against Washington, I think the Bucks are going to they're going to look at those and know that the the Colts' pass defense is their weakness, and the Bucks' strength is their pass offense. So I think they're they're just going to try to go strength versus weakness and just hope that the Bucks can just overpower them through the air. Um, not saying that they won't try to run the ball. Uh, because it, it, every game, it seems like they try to. They never really a, abandon the run completely, especially out of the gate. Um, but I don't know. You know, I think maybe the first two drives you see a little bit, but then after that, I'm not sure how much you actually see if they're unable to have success, which against this Colts rush defense, I'm not 100% sure they're going to have much success, especially being on the road. If it's business as usual, if I have to predict something, I think it'll be about 20 combined carries between Leonard Fournette yeah. and Ronald Jones. And listen, another thing, I am not a superstitious guy by any means, I do get superstitious about sports. Now, this stat in particular doesn't really get me going, but if there are superstitious people about sports who listen to this podcast, maybe they'll understand. Um, believe it or not, the Buccaneers are undefeated this season when Leonard Fournette has more than 12 carries in a game. Hmm. Like, that, I actually didn't even know that. So, Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, when that run game actually is able to get going, which is you know going to lead to Leonard obviously getting more carries, it, it makes everything easier on this offense. When you are you know, missing key parts of your passing attack and Antonio Brown, who is a safety route. You know, it always helps any offense to have your run game actually functioning. But for the Bucs, I, I think they could probably get some, uh, you know, get some production going. But if they can't really find anything in the early going, if it's if it's looking like business as usual, where Leonard gets the ball on first down and they end up with a second and eight, second and seven after that, it's only two, three yards every now and again, maybe four or five you know, shut, uh, set up the shorter stuff, I think it'll probably be, uh, you know, a lackluster day on the ground for them. But, yeah, just just an interesting little nugget there is as far as, you know, when they run the ball. A lot of people say that they are a pass-first team, but when they're running the ball this season, they are undefeated. So well, just something to remember. I mean, you know, they're, they're also – and, I mean, you don't really have to remind many Bucks fans of this because a lot of Bucks fans know – they are so effective at play action. Um, yeah. They're they're very, very good at play action. They just don't use it a lot. And I think they don't use it a lot because they don't run a lot. Well, and people people are banging down Byron's door, Byron yeah. Leftwich, the <laughs> offensive coordinator, telling him to run more play action because it works. <laughs> I mean, even if the run game isn't the best it can be, play action with this Bucks offense still works because everybody's going to be scared of the pass or, you know, they think they'll commit one way or another. So... Yeah, they, they definitely got to try and get uh, some play action in there. But when that offense is is rolling, and partially because of the run game, makes their play action that much better. So people are really banging down Byron's door, and, and even Bruce telling them to just incorporate that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I want to ask you guys this. About some matchups you guys are watching that you think will be pivotal for this game's matchup. Um, we'll start with you, Rhett. What, do you, what are your three top three matchups that you think – will be critical for, in your opinion, the Buccaneers to win this game? Uh, I think the first one's going to be whoever is in charge of slowing down Quentin Nelson, or at least whoever he's going to be trying to slow down. Uh, the pass rush for the Bucs is going to be huge in a game like this where you've got you know a couple of offensive lines that are going to be doing their thing in the trenches all day. So I think whoever Quentin Nelson is going to be covering, which is probably going to be Vita Vea, a combination of him, Rakeem Nunez-Roches, uh, depending on if they want to bump anybody inside, maybe in Sue for that particular play, a guy like Will Golston every now and again. 
Um, so I'm going to be looking at that. But another matchup that I'm looking at for this Bucks defensive line, not necessarily a matchup, but just a guy that I'm looking for is uh, going to be playing at outside linebacker. Number nine, the first round draft pick, Joe Tryon Shoyinka. This is a guy who has all the measurables to get it done. He's a guy that on film shows up, plays his ass off and, and really puts good product on the field. The problem is just finding time for him to play. Uh, there was a comment made a couple of weeks ago by who was it, Evan? Was it Larry foot? Yep. Yeah. Larry foot, the linebackers coach on defense. He basically said, you know, we're going to play who gets paid the most money. And if you look at the contracts that Jason Pierre Paul and Shaq Barrett are sitting on, it's safe to say those guys are going to get a lot of your reps, but with a guy like Tryon, when you look at what he's put up on film, uh, John Ledyard actually put some of it up our buddy over at pewter report on Twitter you know, it's hard to look at a guy like Joe Tryon and what he brings to the table and, and have him on your bench for most of the defensive drive. So I'm going to be looking at him and whoever's going to be covering him most of the day. Hopefully he's wreaking havoc for your right and left tackle and he's able to actually make something happen in that pass rush. But uh, on top of that, another another matchup I'll probably looking at is, I, I guess, here in the trenches for the Bucks. It's those interior offensive linemen and then, of course, DeForest Buckner and the rest of that pass rush because – that's the turning point in this game is it all starts in the trenches, but for the Bucks in particular, that interior offensive line, they're going to be tested. Not only are you possibly not going to be without Ali Marpet, Aaron Stinney, a guy who has shown he can step up, but he'll have to do it again. Ryan Jensen just continuing to play the brand of football that we know he does without getting flagged this week. And then um, Alex Kappel on that right side, it's a critical year for him too, as he's got a contract coming up. So the interior offensive line, I'm going to be looking at all of those guys, but most of those matchups are, are going to be in the trenches because I think that's where going to be uh, that's going to be where most of the fireworks are this week. Yeah, and I'm actually I'm going to take it to the defensive line again, and I'm going to, I'm going to look at you know not necessarily a, a matchup, just a player because you know he moves around a little bit. Uh, I'm going to look take a look at Shaq Barrett, and uh, he played well versus the Giants. A lot of people didn't really think he did, but I mean to me. When I watched the tape, I mean, he really, I mean, Nate Solder, I mean, had no chance against him. So um, he played well, but the week before that, him and Jason Pierre Paul were completely invisible. And they were a big reason why they lost that game and a big reason why Washington went on a 19 play drive that lasted 11 minutes. Can't happen again this week. So I think Shaq Barrett needs to step up and he, he needs to start making some plays. You know, he's getting a lot of pressures. He needs to turn those pressures, though, into sacks. Is this the greatest week to do it? No, because that, you know, the Colts offensive line is a good offensive line. But, you know, I think Jack Barrett just has to find a way to get home. You know, you mentioned earlier that Carson Wentz has some fumbles this season. Jack Barrett almost had a strip sack last week. He's been pretty good at doing that with his time in Tampa. Maybe he can get one of those. You know, I, it seems like that's where Carson Wentz has had trouble, you know, with putting the ball in harm's way, not necessarily when he's actually passing the ball, but in the pocket there. Um, I think Shaq Barrett's going to have to have a, a, a nice day. Um, I'm also going to look at, obviously, Devin White, who, yet again, you know, after that Saints game, a lot of Bucks fans were, were pointing the finger at him uh, as the why a big reason why they lost that game. Not only his penalties, just his play overall. And since then, he has played two of the two of probably his best two games of the year. I would say uh, in Washington and against the Giants. So I'm hoping for him to have a, another you know a third straight game and try and slow down Jonathan Taylor. He's a you know. He, he's a, he can just run. He runs right, and he and he goes. Yeah. And when he goes, he doesn't really stop. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Hopefully, this time it's good, and they're able to neutralize Jonathan Taylor because that's a huge key. If if the Colts are able to control the clock, keep the Bucks' offense off the field, I, I mean, you know, that's playing right into the Colts' hands. I think so. Um, and then you know, I'm going to look to the offense, and I, I'm going to say uh, I, I do think it's time for. Tyler Johnson, I think, to to step up. Uh, he's been the third wide receiver uh, since Antonio Brown's been out, and he's a guy who, you know, Rhett can attest, uh, I really like. I'm a big Tyler Johnson fan. I think he could be a future number two wide receiver for this team if Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown were to leave eventually. Um, Tyler Johnson has to be better, and this team on the road, we talked about how this offense has been different they're going to need a guy like Tyler Johnson. They need him to step up, uh, up in Washington. He didn't do that. 
he needs to do it this week and uh, be able to exploit a, a Colts pass defense that has struggled. But yet again, this Bucks offense, just if this game was in Tampa, I'd have a whole different outlook on this entire game. It's just with this game being on the road, I just I I don't know. I don't know if I can trust this Bucks offense enough. But Tyler Johnson, if he steps up in a big way, I think the Bucks could finally get over thirty points. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, I think I'm going to go very similar to you guys as well. I got to go that defensive line, specifically defensive interior against that Bucks offensive line, especially because they're banged up and stuff like that. Um, I also, yeah, I just got to look at the, the Bucks wide receivers versus these Colts defensive backs. It's going to be interesting. Um, Xavier Rhodes specifically, I think, is a guy you you guys can attack if he does indeed play a lot. He kind of rotated in and out. He's been injured a lot this year. Hasn't particularly been good. So he would be a guy that I would target if he's out there for sure for you guys. Um, one thing that I think would be interesting is whoever lines up, whether it's Shaq Barrett, whether it's JPP, whoever lines up against Eric Fisher, especially in pass pro, I think you guys have an advantage there because Eric Fisher has been really, really good in terms of running the football. Like he's been really fantastic. He has very much struggled against uh, pass protection. Like he, he got abused by Josh Allen a few weeks ago. So I really think you guys potentially could have a chance to get some pressure. I mean, that's why the Colts weren't able to score against that Jacksonville team. Like they started off super hot and then all of a sudden they, their offensive line just could not protect them. So I think if you can attack him and you guys can do what the Jags did, you have a good chance. I mean, potentially to shut down this Colts passing attack, get Carson Wentz uncomfortable, make him, you know, maybe force some things and turn, turn the ball over a couple times. Um, and I think it's all going to start with attacking Eric Fisher, but you know, like you guys said, whoever wins the trenches, like two of the three things I said is in the trenches. So whoever wins the trenches in this game, I think are going to are gonna really, really do it. I forgot to mention special teams. I'll ask you guys about your guys' special teams real quick. Uh, we'll start with you, Evan. What, do you, what is your opinion on your guys' uh, special teams unit right now? Well, yet again, that's something there in the past. It has really struggled specifically. Obviously, we know the the kicking game has specifically struggled, but Ryan Suckup has come in and really been a savior uh, for this team. Um, has missed a few uncharacteristic kicks this year, which he didn't really last year. Missed the extra point in Washington, um, which ended up not mattering anyway. But, um, you know, just want, want a, a clean game from him. I think this is going to be a really close game. So those kicks, like when you get those opportunities to make them, you're going to have to make them. Um, Bradley Pinion, the punter. Um, the, I thought the, he had a thought he had a really good game against the Giants last week. I'm a little yeah. biased, but you know, yeah, we're a little we're a little biased. You know, <laughs> friend friend of the show, Bradley Pinion. Uh, we've had him on a, a few times. Um, so yeah, he, he, you know, he's had a really good year so far. Like I said, I'm a little bit biased as well, but um, <laughs> you know, he he has had a, a solid season. Um, the biggest thing yet again for Bucks special teams isn't necessarily the coverage. It's their their tackling ability, and you know a lot of times a guy breaks one tackle, and it's a five yard turn that turns into a fifteen yard return, and it just it sounds small, but it just with field position, especially in a close game like I think this is going to be, I think field position and being able to flip the field is going to be so important, and the Bucks special teams they're just they're going to have to be better, right? They're going to have to be better at tackling. As far as the return game. Look, I, I'm convinced that, that the Bucks will just never really have a great return game at this point. Not yeah. this season, at least. I mean, um, what was it for? For 25 whole years, there was a kicking curse for the Bucks. Yeah. So 30 years, I think it like Michael Spurlock up until 2006 or 07. Yeah. yeah, so 31 years of being a franchise before they finally had a kickoff return for a touchdown. They got a few. I, I think they hit their heyday yeah. between 07 and probably 2013 because since then. We really haven't seen that much, and, and and I think the curse is back. I don't think as a franchise they'll ever get a kickoff return for a touchdown again <laughs> because you would think, you know, with, with not that it's the most abundant play of all time, but they've had some pretty capable returners over the years. So, you know, rookie Jalen Darden has been okay, but I, I don't know. I, I do think that there isn't anything super above average about their return team. Yeah, it's 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 not not uh, they drafted Jalen Darden in hopes that he would be that guy. And he's shown flashes in the Chicago game. He showed some flashes. But other than that, it's been really uh, very average. Just just not anything special. Gotcha. Yeah, it's been interesting. The Colts special teams this year, they've won them a couple games, actually. Like last week, even the Buffalo game, Isaiah McKenzie 
well, it was basically his fault, but still, like, that's a big play. That swings that game, you know, easily. Um, it keeps the Colts' momentum going there. And, you know, they actually have had some interesting – and they also – I think, you know, special teams also contributed to them losing in Baltimore because Rodrigo Blankenship all of a sudden gets injured and he misses extra points yeah. and field goals. And, you know, you think if he makes at least one of those – you probably win that game. So. Well, that was, that was that was the game in Baltimore where he had a chance to to finish mm-hmm. the game and and not right. have it go to overtime. And I remember that particularly because I had started Rodrigo Blankenship on my fantasy team that week, <laughs> and the only player that my opponent had left to play when that game started, I had a forty point lead. The only player that my opponent had left was Lamar Jackson, and after putting up a total of six points in the first half of that game, I'm like, all right. We got it in the bag, baby, and I'll, I'll never forget it, man, watching Blankenship. I, I, I'm not a Colts fan, but I think that's the most uh, upset I've ever been rooting for the Colts in a game was uh, yeah. was watching him miss that one. But really quickly, just another side note, as far as you guys' special teams go, I'm a huge fan of uh, of Isaiah Rogers, man. That kid is a stud. He was um, a high school teammate of mine, and oh, really? you know, I, I, I watched his uh, I watched his highlights at UMass and, like, you know, I said on our podcast two, three years ago, I'm like, whenever this guy is draft eligible, he's probably not going to be, you know, that high of a pick because he plays at corner. He's listed as a corner. He's a little undersized. A lot of people will say, but just the freak athlete that you guys got, like, I, I promise you, he is at the end of his career, he's going to be worth the pick. If people don't already think that already, that guy is awesome. Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't mention Isaiah Rogers, but he's actually been rotating in at corner a lot more, and he's actually looked really good. So I think a lot of people are excited about him. So the hype is real over here in Colts Nation for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. But but yeah, I mean, I think the Colts special teams, they're normally a strength. You know, you just have those random games where your kicker just decides to be terrible. Like Adam Vinatieri a few years ago in that Chargers game, he missed, he left like at least 10 points on the field. We lost in overtime. You're just like, come on, man. Like these injuries just pop out of nowhere for this team. But I will say this, you know, Money Money Badger is his name. Um, he has been fantastic for the Colts. Michael Badgley, he's been fantastic for the Colts at kicker. He's only missed one field goal, I think, and it was like a 50-plus yarder. He's been perfect on, you know, extra points and stuff. To the point now where the Colts are – there's actually a debate, and a lot of Colts fans have said – no, start Michael Badgley, you know, over Rodrigo Blankenship, who was really good last year and was really good up to that Baltimore game. So, I mean, that just kind of tells you, I think, how good the kicking game has been for the Colts. You know, Rigoberto Sanchez as well, one of the best punters in the league. You got Naheem Hines back there at, at punt return. So, I mean, the Colts have some explosive guys. They haven't taken one to the house this year, but they have some really explosive guys. I think that you just have to account for, you know, because they can take it back. Naheem Hines a couple, a couple of years ago had – had a two had a two game, uh, two touchdown game against the Panthers, and almost three. Uh, I mean, so I mean, these guys, I think you always have to account for, no matter where they are, because they're they're both really fast and they're both really elusive. So I think special teams matters. All all that to say. So, all right, guys. Well, we will hop in now to score predictions. We'll start with Evan on his score prediction for this game. We'll go to Rhett, then I will give mine, and then we will wrap it up. We'll call it a day. All right. I mean, yeah, I've. All week, I've been really going back and forth. I believe in the season prediction show, I originally predicted this as a Bucks win, I believe. Um, and I, I even said that this was a game, though, that I felt would be a coin flip, and I still feel that way, right? I still feel this game is going to come down to the wire. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to see a Bucks team that's not prepared like they were in Washington. I think the Bucks have a much better showing than that. I think that Washington game kind of – woke them up a little bit and saying like, Hey, like just because you have a great week of practice doesn't mean it's going to translate to Sunday. And I think that's sort of, you know, that sort of woke them up a little bit. Uh, And and I mean, offensively speaking, this is a great matchup for the bucks. Uh, It's just, if they're able to protect Tom Brady, but with this game being on the road, I just don't know if I trust this offense enough because to go over 30 points, right? I until they do it, I'm gonna I'm gonna expect them to knock over 30 points on the road. I just until they actually show me that they can go over 30, I'm going to assume that they're not going over 30. So that brings it back to the defense, where yet again, it's you know it's gonna be strength versus weakness on offense for the Bucks, you know, Bucks offense. Uh, versus the Colts secondary, but it's going to be strength versus strength. And that is where I think this game is going to be won or lost. And um, with this being a tough road game, I I do think the Colts end up winning. Uh, I think that they do just enough. 
um, to to win the football game. And I think it's a really good game. Uh, I think 28-24, the, the, the Colts win. Uh, like I said, Jonathan Taylor, it's just – the Colts are too hot right now. I mean, they're they're one of the best teams in football. I mean, they're hotter than than the Bills. They're hotter than you know, the, the Rams have really fallen off, and you know, like they're they're hotter than a lot of these teams that are being talked about. And I don't think the Colts are being talked about enough. So if this game was in Tampa, I do think it's a different result. But I think with this game being on the road, I think it's a tough road game for the Bucks to win. I think it's a really good game, but I think I think the Colts take it. Listen, Cody. What did I tell you before he even got in the video call? I said, he's picking the Colts this week. He wants to pick the Colts this week. And, and obviously that's because the Bucks are playing on the road. But uh, I'll be the guy that go ahead and sticks with the red and pewter today. I'm going to go ahead and take the Bucks in this one. I think your final score is going to be 31-27. The Bucks finally get over that hump of scoring 30 points on the road. And uh, it doesn't come in spectacular fashion. Like, I don't think Brady's going to be throwing four touchdowns. I honestly think you're going to see a couple of running back touchdowns. Maybe Lenny has himself two from a short distance out. But I think it's going to be a grinded-out football game. And that final drive, it'll be 27-24. Colts have the lead. I think the Bucks will do what they can to grind out the clock, get a late touchdown, and uh, Indy just won't be able to answer. So I think it is a very close game. I think whoever has the ball last, depending on the uh, – you know, the time on the clock, of course, is probably going to win this game. But I, I am picking Tampa Bay to advance to eight and three. But it's going to be a tough game. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be personally surprised if they put up over 30 points. I know I picked them to put up 31 over on our podcast. They call me the eternal optimist for stuff like this. But, uh, yeah, I'm picking the Bucks to win this week. 31-27. Look, that, that Washington game scarred me so like you know yeah because i think it's the first time in show history that you me and our buddy james all picked them to win in the same week and uh you know of course it's the week that we're having a watch party too that they got to go out there and and put up a piss poor performance but yeah you know this is is. and and it's oh well you know to be fair to me this is when when we actually do our you know in-game in-season predictions on the show there's only the second time that i've picked against the bucks and the first time i picked against the bucks i was right i said that the rams would beat them so uh you know you know some credit to me that i have given the bucks the benefit of the doubt you know especially on the road but no more all right (laughs) hell of a lot more than you hell of a lot more than you used to say exactly exactly Uh, a super bowl a super bowl will do that yeah, absolutely. I'm actually going to go. I had 27-24 in my mind, so I'm right there with you, Evan. I, th- I have the Colts winning just because they're so hot right now. You know, they've won, I believe, three in a row now. So I think they know that they can't afford to just, you know, write off any team at this point. Like, they have to win out in order to really, like, make sure they control their own destiny here and get to the playoffs because they've kind of they've kind of messed around so far this year in some games they should have won, and they can't afford to do that anymore. So – I think this team, they responded, and this is why I think also I'm going to choose them, is because the fact that everybody was saying Colts can't beat a good team, right? They can't beat a team that is a playoff team. That was like the whole stigma. And I think to some some degree, maybe the Colts kind of believed that for a little bit. Maybe that was kind of like a feel like, man, we just we can't finish. But they've been able to finish the last couple of weeks. So I do think it's going to be a tight game. Both these teams, I think, two of the best rosters in the NFL. I do think the Colts right now are on a tear. Um, so I'm going to go 27-24, but honestly, guys, I could go either way because I know the Bucks are so talented. Like, they can they can beat anybody any given week. Um, and like the Colts, they can beat anybody. They can also lose to anybody. So yeah. you never know what week you're going to get, which team. Um, you, you know, you could get the Washington Bucks. You could get the Giants Bucks. You just don't know week to week. But um, we'll see, guys. It's going to be a fun game. I'm really excited for it. I'm actually going to be able to be in attendance for that game, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, Colts haven't beat Tom Brady in a long time, so I'm really hoping they get over the hump. It's been, you know, since I was in middle school when the Colts actually beat the Bucks. I believe it was – or not the Bucks, when they beat Tom Brady in 2009. I wish Tom Brady was on the Bucks in 2009. Yeah, right. <laughs> True. But that was a crazy game, guys, because that was the that was the fourth down and two call or whatever with Kevin Oh, Fulton. yeah. Prime time. The, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. I remember my – my dad went to bed, and I was like, I'm just going to stay up a little bit longer. And then they started coming back. I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And then <laughs> that infamous call where he was short, and then you know, Manning to Reggie, and they won. It was just one of my favorite games of all time. But they have struggled against Brady recently. Yeah, I, I saw um, – I actually 
this morning I saw on NFL Network it said uh, Tom Brady is 15 and four in his career against the Colts, and that includes I think four and one in the playoffs. So obviously this is a playoff game, but only four losses uh, in Tom Brady's career versus the Colts. So hopefully, yeah. you know, maybe not for your sake, but hopefully for our sake, he's uh, 16 and four after this week. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's pretty cool that you'll be able to be be there and get to see the goat live. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for it. Thank you guys for coming on. It was awesome having you guys on, being able to to meet you guys and, you know, kind of talk ball. I always love just meeting new people and uh, getting perspectives that I didn't know. Half the stuff you guys said about the Bucks, I would have had no idea. And I'm sure our listeners as well. Um, so always appreciate it, guys. Uh, tell Before you go, tell everybody where they can find you on, on social media, on, you know, podcasting platforms, all that stuff. Hey, well, we appreciate you too, man. I just wanted to say that I've always like seen your content pop up. I, I remember I watched the full episode you put out 2019, the last time these two teams played 38 to 35 mm. final score in that one. Crazy uh, quite, game. Yeah, quite the barn burner that was. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, it's always good to connect with everybody who's putting out content for our own respective teams. And, uh, you know, it's just pretty cool stuff that everybody's doing. So really glad to be here. Thanks for working with our chaotic schedule and, and able to get that figured yeah. out. Uh, but if folks are interested in Bucks coverage, you can find us on YouTube, Cannon Fire Podcast over there. And then any, anywhere else you download a podcast as well, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, all of that good stuff. We should be listed on most of those. And then you can also find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Uh, you can also find myself before I toss it over to Evan. You can find me on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at EvanNFL and uh, also on Instagram uh, at Bucks underscore daily. Number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram, approaching 30,000 followers. So hopefully we can get there before the season ends. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, appreciate you guys coming on. As I tell all our guests, good luck on Sunday, but not too much luck because I want my Colts to win. They need to win. Your team, we need to win. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ha- take care, guys, and I uh, hope you guys have a lot of fun on Sunday. Thanks, Thanks man. You too. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.